Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 41. <laughs> I didn't even check. Johnny, what number are we at? You should know because you listen to every single one, I'm sure. 41, yeah. Yeah, 41. So nonchalant. You definitely don't know, do you? Oh, For I don't. sake. Sake, oh, right. I, I, I am checked. So I'm just trying to buy time while I check, if I'm honest. Oh, they don't say. I think we're 40. I think we're 40. Definitely. Unless Ed's... So basically, the second, the, the second episode ago was 38. So that would make this 40. However... I did think we'd done 40, so if we haven't, this is number 40, which means we're only 12 away from a full year. That's amazing, that is how quick it's gone. We have done a couple of weeks with me at some point. Um, yeah, but we've only, li- uh, oh no, it's not, yeah, fair point. We, I think for the first couple of weeks we did um, at least more than one a week, didn't we? So we're not far off anyway. So we'll have to do something special for the 50th episode. Yeah, like what? Half century, I don't know. Um, this bit- Let's bring a, a well, we have guests anyway, but someone who follows the page, maybe. Maybe. Or get a listener on. In fitness. Not not in fitness, but someone who's just. I like that idea. Who's weight. Who just wants to talk about their own journey. Maybe. All right. No, no, cool. I'll tell you what, mate. This is a shout out. So you lot listening, if you want to come on episode number 50, which is 10 weeks away, assuming this is 40, um, we need you to. Do, we'll, we'll create some sort of application process so that you have to come on. Uh, oh, sorry, you have to put an application process to come on, um, and then we can just pick whichever one we like the sound of the most. So, if you want to come on and talk about, so should we even let them pick their topic? It doesn't even have to be nutrition related. They can talk about anything. How about anything. that one-off special random episode about car mechanics? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that came to my head. But... Hmm. Unless it's that about something random we know nothing about. Yeah, that would be something. Yeah, that'd be a lot then, mate. There's a lot I know nothing about. Carpentry. I I don't know anything about carpentry. You're right. (laughs) Uh, There's the 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 list of the things I know nothing about is is almost endless. Me too. Clearly, I know nothing about nutrition either, people listening to this podcast. But <laughs> right, sell yourself Me. down, God. It's hard to sound like Paul C, aren't I? Paulie. Ill Paul. Little Paul. Ill Paul or Little Paul? Ill. Ill. Unwell. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's dying in, in the uh, in an angry group, aren't they? Ed's now ill. Yeah. I don't get ill. No, I very rarely get ill. You've got Matt's constantly stressed and ill, living the London life, but... Hello. Mm. Um, right, so how you been, my man? Obviously, if anyone hadn't noticed, it's just me and Johnny. Um, but yeah, so how you been? All good, really. Uh, better lack of sleep, Eliza. Decided she's not to wake up more often again. Just crying. Just crying for three hours the other night. Just Ouch. because. Ouch. Yeah, just because she can. Um, training. I took her for a walk yesterday. For an hour, I went on court actually in the snow. Good effort. 
she fell asleep. That's like the only way she falls asleep sometimes mm. in the day. <laughs> Take it out, fall asleep, come back. Happy days. Yeah. How are you? What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Yeah, nothing, mate, really. Same. Same, just grinding. Just, you know, work and work and more work. Um, yeah, not a lot else. So, yeah, summer's crawling like a maniac now. Obviously, it's like dad talking it. We're what we're about nowadays, aren't we, dads? But yeah, she's she's calling like a maniac. She's just about standing. She stands up on her own, grabbing stuff. So she'll stand up and hold the sofa, which you people have been seeing on my Instagram because I'm popping it all over there. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, she's she's got two little teeth now come through. Little two little bottom teeth now popping through. So yeah, it's not. To be honest, that is the the teething part is hard because she hasn't slept the same since for the last like month I think since they've been coming through and obviously it does as you well know um, affect lots of nutritional stuff and you know just general fatigue which is not ideal but there we go especially when you're prepping for a photo shoot deep in a calorie deficit and obviously have been now for two and a half months so uh, nearly three months so um, but yeah no all good all good I'm now I think I'm now s- 17 a bit pounds down so if uh, for those uh, that that don't work in uh, imperial then i what's that a stone and well i don't know uh, what's that stone it's a well, stone and quarter nearly yeah so it's two and a half months yeah yeah it's not bad i think Actually. it's yeah it's about eight or yeah about nearly eight kilos i think so i'm pretty happy with that things are coming you, nicely including not exactly fat to start with um, yeah, yeah, we, this seemed to be a running theme with a uh, podcast when we obviously do up, updates, but obviously I've just got this weird fat distribution thing where it's all on my backside rather than my front side, so I look better maybe than I might look better than I do, but no, obviously I'm not, I'm not carrying huge amounts of, or wasn't carrying huge amounts of fat, but um, I think I was obviously 183 at six foot, so not like, and to be fair, I don't hold loads of muscle mass, so it's not like you can say, oh yeah, I'm just all muscle because I'm not, but... Yeah, I, I, my original target was 165. I'm now at 166 something. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I am no way near one and a half pounds off ready. <laughs> it's more like 11 and a half pounds off ready. <laughs> so, uh, my, my original target of 165 is definitely below 160 now. Um, which I, should be doable with another, what, we got six, seven weeks to go. So, um, yeah, obviously. It's it's been, always, yeah. We, we, we probably know, but most people think. They're going to be heavier than they are when they're super lean. Mm. And I can guarantee you, everyone listening, you're going to be lighter by yeah. far. Yeah. Uh, I've said that before. It's like, yeah, you set yourself a weight target. And when you get down to it, you're like, shit, I just look a slightly less fatter version than I did. I thought I was going to be shredded this weight. And then you lose 10 more pounds. And then you think, yeah, still not shredded. You lose another 10 pounds. You think, getting there, but still not shredded. And you think, fucking hell. How, like... I didn't realise it was going to be this far away from what I originally predicted. But, yeah, you're right, especially men, I think. Men just always think yeah. they're going to be – they hold more muscle mass than they do. Inevitably, you, you just don't. It's amazing how much fat mass you actually hold, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think I was, I was talking with Shelley's clients, who's an hairdresser, and he was talking about uh, losing weight. And he said, I don't want to lose a lot of muscle. I said, you're probably not going to. But I said, but no offence, you probably don't carry as much as you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like – it's not – it's no like it's not derogatory. It's just like it's just a fact. Unless you're hammering gear, or you've been at it for twenty years or more, then the chances are you, you don't carry that much muscle. It's just 
just a fact. Isn't yeah, it? unless you're a genetic freak, and then you know you're just lucky. But yeah, for on the most part. But yeah, no, all all good, all good. So I'd say six weeks to go, and then we'll see see what it really looked like. So it's a bit scary actually. It's only six weeks. So I was speaking to a client, that obviously what, what Steve uh, Snowden, who obviously my client, who's doing the photo shoot with us because he wanted to get involved. Um, and I kind of said like, and during one of my updates to him, actually, it, we were just kind of talking about how like he's got the motivation, really feeling like he's grinding, but just wants to get into April, so he feels like he's quite close. And it's funny because obviously he said, oh, actually, when you get into April, you only got well four weeks. And I thought like you're going to use some of that what a week leading up to that is sort of kind of refeed time. So actually, you probably only really got three weeks, like once you're into April. And obviously, that isn't for us any. What are we now? The nineteenth, is it? Yeah, eighteenth. So that's only now a couple of weeks away. So you can think about actually, we've only got five weeks of, of grinding left, which actually doesn't feel like a lot. Um, it's not really, is it? No, no. So I think um, I mean, I'm on what am I on now, calorie wise? About between nineteen hundred and two thousand most days, um, which is reasonably low, but it's not like massively low. Um, no cardio though. Uh, five weight tra- session, uh, weight training sessions a week, and then I hit fifteen thousand steps on my withings, which is um, for for me, I, it's about the equivalent of about twenty two thousand on a Fitbit, which I used to have on a Fitbit. Isn't so um, yeah, I, I had both at one point, and I wore them both on each wrist, and every day it came out about that type of difference. So I was getting about fifteen on my withings, and about oh, just over twenty twenty so between twenty and twenty two on a Fitbit. So I think that mm, I think that puts in perspective that. Um, oh, this is me off track. My cat's just got a mouse in. <laughs> it's brown. Uh, do, listeners, this just happens all the time. The cat just brings mice in. It's dead, sadly. But there well, we are. Well, it's dead. yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, it's dead, or maybe fortunately, because it could be running around your kitchen otherwise. Like, no, like, sorry about the mouse, but. There That's the way. Animal, animal, for you. Anyway, so yeah, my, the Fitbit's just because I because I, I had a Fitbit for a couple of years, and then I've got the Withings, which is obviously now Nokia Health. If anyone's interested, um, I decided that I'd wear them both for a couple of weeks to see what happened, and actually, the disparity between the two is incredible. So um, yeah, if any of you guys have got a Fitbit, or if any of you guys have um, got another tracker, then. I guess just like it's hard to compare people person to person, but we'd, not that we'd ever con- or tell you to compare person to person anyway. We'd actually tell you to make sure you only really focus on yourself because that's really what matters, isn't it? But um, yeah, if you are trying to compare person to person, if you've got different bits of equipment, it is really, really difficult to do so. So, um, yep, Johnny just showed me a dead mouse. Thank you. Lovely. Um, so, yeah, so. I obviously it was just intrigued me really to see the difference. Um, I mean, I guess it, like, it doesn't really matter the fact they're different either, because what what we always say is like they're never that correct anyway. Like it's never going to be exact the amount of steps you're doing, or, or it just gives you a bit of a guideline. But the, they're going to be systematically correct. And what we mean by that is, although it might not be accurate in that, um, it gives you an accurate representation of the exact movement, i.e., the exact amount of steps you're doing. What it should do is at least be systematically accurate in that you'll get the same reading time after time. So that way you've got something to compare against for yourself. So you can check on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, etc. That what steps and how active you've been. It doesn't really matter what that number is. So hopefully that will make sense. 
Um, right, shall we um, crack on with some some to today's topic? Yes. We just waffled about activity trackers and stuff. Um, it's maybe, relevant. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of relevant to today's topic. So today's topic was inspired by um, one of the Facebook lives we did in our semi-private um, coaching group, uh, where someone had asked a question around, what happens when weight loss stops? So we want to talk about plateauing. Um, I guess I don't. We, we hadn't planned to talk about this. We could even talk, maybe throw in some um, some some about plateauing in the gym. Maybe some thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, so that's interesting. Maybe because I know it's, it's not it's a nutrition podcast, but obviously there'd be plenty of people that go to the gym. And maybe want some thoughts. Plus, it gives us a little bit of extra content. So. Wow. Um, we haven't really got much structure about this, do we? It's a bit off off piece. So, so in terms of like plateauing, so I've got a bit of like basically I did the live um, in the in the semi pro coaching group, so I know what my answer was. However, I don't, have you watched it? I, I no. assume you didn't bother. No, I didn't see. I wouldn't watch yours. <laughs> um, God, Johnny, how dare you? Uh, no, so that's good though, because actually it might be interesting to kind of see how you'd approach it then, and then I'll chip in and maybe we'll see where we go. So, so Johnny, obviously I'm your client. No, actually, no, actually, I don't even need to be your client. Um, but I come to you and said, "Oh, Johnny, I've been I've been losing weight now, but phew, I haven't lost any weight for the last couple of weeks. Like, what do I do? Are you female or male? Uh, so let's do both. Let's do both. Let's start with I'm a male. So my name is Brett, and I am a carboholic. A carboholic. Okay, yes. fair enough. Because I think <clears throat> with a male, plateaus tend to be quicker reached, if you know what I mean. Because mm-hmm. with a woman, you may not look from week one to week two. You may look from week one to week four at the average across the four weeks, obviously, because of the menstrual cycle and things. Yeah, there's a little bit more. The water's a little bit murkier, shall we say. The first thing we have to address is, right, what weight do you know? What weight were you when you started? What calories are you eating now? And are those calories the same as when you started out, say, this quarter a month ago or whatever? Because if it is that, then it's a relatively easy fix. Because <clears throat> as you get lighter, there's obviously less of you. So your metabolism slows down in the fact that there's you need less calories to move less of you around. So obviously you burn less calories. So you, if you started on, let's just call it two and a half thousand calories, then eventually weight loss is going to stop until you maintain that two and a half thousand calories. So the, we've got a few options and you can either go, right, I'll cut that at two, two, whatever, two, one, depends on how aggressive you want to be and how fast you want to lose weight. Or, you can say to someone, right, you could add in X amount of cardio. Then you have to look at, have you got time for that? Is it practical? Those sort of things. Mm-hmm. It's really easier to drop calories because it's just, there's no added time to that. There's added time to doing an hour of cardio. And you don't exactly know how many calories an hour you're burning. Well, at least with calories, you've got a bit more accuracy with dropping three, 400 calories. Or you could do both. So if you were someone who's training, say you train three times a week, you've got no kids, you've got a girlfriend, whatever, don't have many 
things outside the gym that you need to worry about about work they don't go right rather than cutting calories just have an exercise in the gym and do an, an half hour of cardio because you know you probably got plenty of time to do that unless you're a multi-millionaire businessman who I'm going to no time to do anything mm. so you could do that but then again if someone's says me and you right you work full time you go to the gym you tend to tend to take over from your friend wife the baby so right there's whatever many hours baby goes to bed then inevitably you're gonna to have to spend time with the other half obviously so then adding an extra weight session and card was probably not going to be as practical as it would be for someone who hasn't got that situation mm-hmm. well then you'd say right it's easier to drop calories hard harder it's easier to do but obviously it's harder to execute because obviously nobody wants to eat less than they are now obviously but then you've got to make sure that you could say look spend an extra 15 minutes or 20 minutes in the gym on a Saturday and Sunday when you've got more time and you're not working and then drop cows a little bit a little bit less so there's a few options and it depends on obviously your situation because we are not our clients don't tend to be crazy bodybuilders who do anything to get shredded most of our clients are, are normal not no I don't say no, normal in a bad way but they got normal goals so they <clears throat> tend to need to be less extreme mm-hmm. with a they would say do anything you like do this do this do this mm-hmm. and they go okay I will do it not like well actually I can't do that day because I gotta do this I gotta do that so it's about I think it's about practicality as well how practical is the advice you're giving because that dictates you may think like right, this plateau requires whatever an extra hour in the gym but it's practical there's no have to take it from calories or mm-hmm. add an extra cardio or, or an extra session of weights and a slightly less deficit so yeah. for the for the person really in it yeah I would. okay um i'm just going to take it back a step because i think you've uh i think you've made an assumption that they've definitely actually plateaued though. So oh, yeah. What, yeah. What, 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 what other things could you consider before either increasing energy expenditure or dropping calories? Are they actually being accurate with the calories? So that could be genuine, I've made a mistake on a food label or something, then it's, it's, it's 500 calories and I've already put 200. Mm-hmm. It's easily done if you're new to tracking. Are you adhering as in, you sort of know you're eating or picking at something. You just think, oh, that don't matter. It's only half a biscuit. It's only, you know, a bit of pancake mix or something, which adds up over the day. So it's either um, knowingly or unknowingly non adherent mm-hmm. Because if, if you can't understand why they don't lose weight over a long period of time, then you're probably almost guaranteed it's that. However... You need to also look back at the week they've had. Have they been under more stress? Have they eaten more volume of food? Have they eaten more carbs in the evening? Have they exercised more? So all this can affect scale weight, mm-hmm. which potentially is 
you're not plateaued, you're just holding some water, which mm-hmm. take a few days or a week to get rid of, and you find out you haven't plateaued. Uh, funny enough, this happened to a female of ours, and she didn't lose for three weeks on end, um, obviously menstrual cycle as well, but I think from, say, call it day eight and day nine, she lost three pounds and it, and it stayed off over a week. So <clears throat> it looked like she plateaued, but she hasn't. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, have they plateaued or have they not plateaued? Depends what data you have from them. Yeah. Take measurements, obviously, but do measurements really make, do they really reduce that much in a week? No. I mean, you could probably inaccurately mismeasure yourself if you're losing a quarter of half inch in a week or something. Mm-hmm. So just look at all the data you've got. Is it adherence? Is it waterway loss? Is it misreporting deliberately or non-deliberately? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, like, definitely, I think my, my two pence are one of the first. If someone said to me, right, okay, I, I haven't lost any weight now for two, three weeks, right, I want to reduce calories. The first time I do is go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right, before we go any further, let's just check that you're actually in a calorie deficit because you might well be, but however, um, you might well not be, but it might not be because you're, um, what am I trying to say? It basically is pretty, like the, I just want to reiterate your point. That's the first place I would start is actually doing some sort of dietary assessment. So whether that is just assessing that you're unknowingly not tracking properly, like you said, so basically just checking that you're actually tracking the foods accurately and therefore getting the right calorie intake and not overeating unknowingly, or just be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I am just sneaking bites of food while I'm cooking, or yeah, do you know what, I am having that half a biscuit every now and then and like, you know, I'm just, I'm having a couple of bites of chocolate or I'm eating stuff off the kids' plates as I'm clearing away and because they are all things that add up. And I, obviously the other things you might forget or just not even consider that. Yeah, actually, I had a latte the other day. I didn't put that in my food diary. And I had this and all of a sudden that 500 calorie deficit that you, you kind of, you know, that magic number that everyone sticks to can soon get wiped out and therefore you're not actually in a calorie deficit. Um, I guess the other thing is then, so obviously if you've checked all that and you say, do you know what, yep, I'm not, I'm not picking on foods. I'm, I am tracking everything accurately. Um, I'm not missing out things and, and not putting in my food diary, I really am being adherent, then yeah, like, what, why am I not losing weight? And that's when you then start looking at the other things, like you said, in terms of, okay, well, if I'm really being consistent and sticking to the plan and I should be losing weight given the calculations almost, is it water retention, like you say? So I guess like it might be worth just touching on that. So you, you mentioned all like the things that affect scale weight. So um, obviously water being the biggest thing, food volume, so fibre and stuff in your gut, um, menstrual cycle as well, obviously. Glycogen, obviously we've mentioned enough times on the podcast, so the carbohydrates that you eat stored in your muscles, a bit like batteries, so your muscles soak up that. As you obviously diet and you don't give yourself enough calories, your your body has to use um, the energy stored in your muscles. So if you then happen to have more and top it up, you then weigh more because that's also still the water. So that might, is it excess glycogen? You had a higher carb day, say, as an example, or you've been eating more carbohydrates of late, and then maybe that's why you're filling up glycogen, etc. So all these things affect the scale weight. Um, but the biggest thing is this water retention thing, and that's what I talked about on the live, was um, when people are highly stressed, um, which is obviously 
by nature, uh, or dieting is a stress on the body by nature, obviously you're putting a calorie deficit and you're stressing the body, that does interfere with um, or the aldosterone receptor, which obviously a water um, balancing uh, receptor, and which obviously, and oh, there's all, you know, I'm not going to talk about all the hormones involved necessarily, but it can happen that you then hold on to water, so you get cortisol related hormone, um, water retention, so like edema, and you, you can sometimes see it, like um, some people suffer worse than others but like, i can remember my nan had it and um, when she was ill with before she died and you could literally press her ankle and it would just leave a massive indentation for a few seconds like literally for three or four seconds until you suddenly see it like almost like water rushing back into it and it filling up again and like you see that sometimes people were dieting and obviously we've mentioned mike harrison on the podcast before obviously one of the uh, like another coach in the industry where he was dieting for a show in um he lost something like seven kilos was it over like a week where, because, yeah, which is insane. Like, he basically went away. He, he was obviously struggling, not losing any weight. I think uh, he went away on holiday, didn't he, to Magaluf, upped his calories, reduced his um, exercise, had a bit of relaxing time for a week away in Magaluf. Obviously, didn't go crazy. Obviously, still had a calorie allowance and, you know, probably still ate in a deficit. But he then dropped something, yeah, like crazy, like seven kilos that week, which was definitely not fat. That was basically just water retention from basically take himself out of a more stressful situation and you know up in some up in his energy intake and decreasing his his energy expenditure and like it just shows you how powerful that can be sometimes so and i guess it's like just 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 getting to the point of it all once you've made all that assessment that's when you probably then go right yes i'm adhering um no we don't think it's uh water related or or kind of water retention that, that type of stuff um there aren't really any reasons for it. So we get to a point now where we probably are left with one choice and that's to create a calorie deficit because we just figured out we're just not in a calorie deficit. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I think the thing to talk about before you, like me, assumed, mm. I was just talking about the, if they plateaued. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a hard one because obviously like to a certain extent you are having to kind of use your experience and guess because, you know, like even working out someone's macros or calories, yes, there's calculators, yes, there's expectations of like someone should be losing weight on a certain um, level of calories, but it is still very individualized. Obviously, you have yeah. to treat someone as an in individual. So you might calculate it and think they should be losing weight and they're not, but actually it's because they're genuinely not in a calorie deficit because you've miscalculated based on their scenario or circumstances and they're actually burning less calories than you think. Exactly. It's, and this is especially true for women. If you don't get... Um, a detailed enough assessment. If you have a woman, let's have two women, both one has got PCOS, one hasn't, then BMR be different, calories would be different. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know that, then you're already on a loser because they're not going to lose weight on the calories you you set them. Because is was it the BMRs up? Is a forty percent lower? I think that's rel is it re was it relatively rare or that's the max they've seen? So forty percent is mental. Yeah. It's like a well, I so get it, but but I've I got a client who's got PCOS and is low calorie compared to what you compared to what I calculated. If you didn't have it, mm -hmm. it's a big difference. Yeah. For, for, anyone, for anyone that's listening, and doesn't know what PCOS is. It's always polycystic ovary syndrome. So I think most people know what it is, but just in case. Um, and yeah, and obviously there is evidence to show that people's um i don't know if it's bmr but just basically because I, I think we that no one's actually managed to work out why it's lower mm. have they it's more like i think someone did assume or, or made the estimate that was actually something like the decreased thermic effect of food and stuff yeah. um 
rather like no one really knows why why their their basically their energy expenditure is lower. But yeah, yeah, but obviously you know it is disappointing. However, you know just to reiterate the point, it doesn't stop anyone losing weight in a calorie deficit. It just means their their kind of their level is lower, so their their energy expenditure is lower. So they just have to eat less to make up for it, which is obviously a shitter. Yeah, I think this is what people don't understand. I think it's no. I'm not saying it's no fault of their own, but I think a lot of people think right because I've got PCOS or I've got underactive thyroid, or I've got this, so I can't lose weight. No matter what I do, I can't lose weight. You can. It's just more difficult because you have to adjust for calories and things like that. And we've had clients who've got both. But just you have to set the diet up more intelligently because you've got less calories to play with, especially with PCOS. Mm-hmm. But it, it is possible. So yeah. I say you've got clients of both, and they've all lost weight. Because, because, like you say, they've been you know you've managed to create a smart um, nutrition plan which you know helps them stick to it, and therefore they end up losing weight because they stick to a calorie deficit rather than thinking oh I'm never gonna lose weight so I'm not gonna bother and then therefore just binging and that's generally what you see happen. I think if people are listening to us, be under no illusion that people who were doing the like PCOS and the and the fire, they were on really low mm-hmm. calories compared to. I'm not saying normal people, but people without PCOS. So it is definitely more difficult. And then maybe you, you look at things like increasing meat as much as possible, increase walking, walk the dog, walk the kids, go for more walks. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at that sort of things because it's obviously only so far you can go nutritionally without it being, without sacrificing energy availability. And then amenorrhea bone mineral density loss issues in later life because this is this is these are practical things we need to consider you, just because someone wants to lose weight now we've got to consider that well actually we've got to make sure our health you do no harm first of all absolutely especially someone's coming into the you know menopausal and you want to make sure they diet as healthy as possible however depending on your goals as well so if you're someone who's I'm tangent a bit here but if you're someone who's got physique-oriented goals, then be under no illusion. You are probably going to lose your menstrual cycle to get to where you want to be. However, you need to do it as healthy as possible and not do anything stupid. When you say physique goals, you mean obviously like people that want to go on stage or something like extreme rather than just someone who wants to get into shape. Yeah. Physique competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was it... I listened to a podcast with Lyle McLeod and he was talking about two two competitors. Um, one lost the menstrual cycle within a month and then regained it. So lost it for a month. Something like a seven-month prep. So six months. And it took her 18 months to get it back. So two years without one. And the other one lost it at the end and regained it within a month. So that just shows how intelligent dieting makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like a, cares if you're 30 now or when you're 60 but the coach should care yeah definitely so just so on on going back to the topic of plateauing then so someone had you've you've done the assessments you've kind of established that they you think they have plateaued obviously we've got to the point where we need to create that calorie deficit somehow and obviously you have already mentioned kind of you know the you either increase energy expenditure i.e exercise or you reduce energy intake i.e food calories um, 
let's give some specifics on how 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 would you approach it then? So let's go back to the example of me. Obviously, you know, I'm, you know, my my type of you know, I'm a 35 year old or 34 actually, 34 year old male who's reached a plateau in a diet, um, like weight trains. Um, how 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 like how would you now say to me right? Okay, well, this is specifically what how you'd approach it, what you'd do. I would ask first. But to establish first, you'd probably already know this anyway. How how long have you got to reach your goals? Mm-hmm. How aggressive do you want to be with those goals? How practical is it for me to say to you, drop a load of calories? Could you stick to it? There's a couple of things we'll look at. If oh, I've got no time frame to where my goals need to be, then you've got more leeway. Mm-hmm. If they say look, I can tolerate a massive deficit, then that gives you the go-ahead to give them a much bigger deficit so they lose weight quicker. On the other hand, if they say, look, I want to take it a bit slower, uh, I can't cope with massive deficits, then you go, right, okay, we haven't got, we did approach it more cautiously. So finding that out first, if they say, look, right, I can go into a big deficit, okay, fair enough. So you could... I mean, it's only so fast you can you can lose fat. There's a formula, but it's obviously depending on the weight. So that's the first option. So if they say, look, I'm on two and a half thousand calories now, I would quite like to have an aggressive deficit to maybe, well, hopefully, definitely should speed up weight loss. Then you can do that. So you could drop to 1,800 calories. Right, you can go there for a small period of time. But that doesn't mean then it has to be 100 every day. You could end up sort of calorie cycling or pushing more calories on workout days and putting them slightly on non-workout days. So if you, you can look at the calories over a week, so you can set it up as, as best you can to suit the situation of that person. So if you went... Everyone ends up being in on low calories when you get to the end of a diet. So when you have to work out intelligently, how am I going to set these calories up? So if you say, look, aggressive dieting, 1,800 calories. Oh. Johnny, you're frozen. Oh. You froze, mate. But you might oh. be back. But I get to. Um, you got to somewhere about setting a deficit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the exact, but you stopped. You've only been frozen for about ten seconds, fifteen seconds. So, put me off my my stride now. Anyway, I think I know where I was. So you could say to someone, look, if you're happy to go aggressive, because that motivates people sometimes when they see a big. Mm. Big loss because they suddenly get a bit demotivated after plateau. So you could say like you're happy to go on a more aggressive deficit. They're said to go from score from two and a half to eighteen hundred because that's aggressive. So rather you could say look rather than mon- Monday to Sunday you do eighteen hundred calories every day. Say look Monday to Friday sixteen hundred and on the weekends when people tend to eat more then you've got an extra 1,000 calories to play with over those two days. Mm-hmm. So it almost makes the diet, even though it's aggressive, 
a little bit more sustainable. Um, but then you've obviously got to monitor things like, are they looking forward too much to that extra thousand calories? So they, they're trying to pile in, not pile in, but they end up getting into the mindset of, oh, I can cut even more on Monday or Friday on, have even more for the weekend, which obviously then affects training and adherence in the week. So obviously yeah. you've got to be careful when you set an aggressive diet up. Yeah, um, I, I, on that, mate, I have found sometimes, obviously with clients, that if you, when they want to kind of, they can they can buckle down and or knuckle down, they can kind of get in that groove of, of grinding out those days. When it then comes to the weekend, it's like a relief, like a off button suddenly yeah. just goes and you suddenly like, really find it hard and difficult to stick to that high calorie amount and they end up just going mad especially when you then get a bit of a taste for the for the good life obviously the weekend you're like yeah actually you know i've now got this extra high calories i'm really enjoying this and you just can't stop at one piece of cake say or you know kind of whatever you're fitting in your macros that day etc so and i think what i haven't mentioned yet is you have to look at why they plateaued in the first place like someone's if you find out like someone's really not adhering then Obviously, you can't just go slamming a massive deficit because they're probably definitely not going to adhere to that today. Because if you if you know they're not adhering once, mm-hmm. so they go over the plateau and they, it happens again, and they say, look, oh, I am adhering this time, and you put them into a big deficit because they say they want to speed it up, then they're probably not going to stick to it. So it's probably not even worth doing. Yeah, that's a fair point, I think, because obviously if, you're, if they're not adhering, I suppose we didn't actually kind of talk about that, but the... The, the resolution or solution to that is getting them to adhere yeah. rather than any type of change because it's not really a change you're not saying oh, we're going to reduce calories or increase energy expenditure because you're saying you're not in a deficit because you want to adhere into the plan yeah. you just need to get back to the plan whatever that was I think there's a, a lot to think about when changing calories um, how aggressive they want to be how not how what they train is like what they day to day activities like what they job is so obviously you just can't go cutting calories hugely if they need the energy to train or cut it. You cut them so much, so they stop moving. Mm. I mean, so no, that's likely they're going to stop moving totally. But there's a lot of things you've got to consider rather than just going, right, oh yeah, let's just cut another X amount of calories. You've got to, you've got to look at the best way of doing it, how to set it up for the client as best as possible. Mm. I think a lot of people think of dieting as day-to-day in terms of calories. Well, I'm eating 2,000 calories a day. I must have it every day rather than going, right, actually, what days am I most... Because I've said this before to someone, what days have you got more motivation and what days have you got the least? And they say, look, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is great for my motivation. Well, I go, right, let's be aggressive Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So then when you feel the motivation weaning, 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 towards the end of the week, then we can look at using higher calories on those days. Mm-hmm. So you, you wave calories to go with what the client says to you is their more motivational days. Because most people have an easy Monday, Tuesday, hump day is Wednesday. Then Thursday, Friday is a bit, not less motivated, but it's more coming to the end of the week in work you might go for a drink obviously you need more calories for that um, Saturday and Sunday you might go out for food in the night so you need more calories for that so for a lot of people it would make sense to be lower start the week and then bring them up 
mm. to a more sustainable level at the end of the week. Yeah. But then again, you could do it so if someone's really into training, really got difficult goals hit, like you're training four days a week, then you go right higher calories on training days, lower calories on off days, higher, lower, and you set up like that. Mm-hmm. So you could do there's loads of different things to consider when you're changing someone's yeah. diet. Yeah. I guess just kind of like rounding it up or bring it bring it back just to obviously kind of make it clear. I guess it's it's that thing of where like the answer might not necessarily be to just slash calories because I suppose we're making the assumption that if you've reached a plateau, you, you've been dieting for a while, you're probably in a state of where you're already a little bit fatigued or, or potentially a lot fatigued from diet and obviously just being in a deficit for so long, a bit like we're talking about obviously my, myself. Um, you can't just slash loads because you're just going to inevitably make that situation worse which might cause more non-adherence or actually you know just more generally fatigue which might mean like the point you raised around not moving as much so you're not saying obviously necessarily that you're just going to stop moving completely but you might actually force your a more adaptation of you burning less calories which isn't going to exacerbate the problem um and obviously you know that doesn't help with being a calorie deficit so obviously the point you're making is you need to the the, the answer might not be just dramatically slash calories it might just be a case of actually you need to find smarter ways of working and there's a, a more smarter nutrition plan which is obviously things like your calorie cycling and that where it might come into to more play or just calorie cycling you know it's not magic is it it's more about just finding something that's more suitable to someone's lifestyle for the reasons you've obviously all mentioned yeah but fundamentally if you have plateaued and you are adhering, there's no water retention, then you are going to have to burn more calories whichever way you do it. Yeah. I think um, it's probably worth just saying, like, one of the solutions, and I didn't actually cover this in the live, um, maybe I should have in hindsight, actually, but um, one of the solutions might be to actually just take a diet break. I don't think I did. I can't remember if I did mention it or not, actually. So I guess in that scenario you talked about, where you might have a high level of diet fatigue anyway, one of the things might be like you have already reduced or um, adapted a reasonable amount. So we're not talking starvation mode here. You know, the, one of the posts on our, sorry, our Instagram um, that we put out during the week around starvation mode, we kind of explained this, but star- starvation mode doesn't exist. But there are some metabolic adaptations that happen when you diet, like the reduction in needs, so the reduction in moving around, the fact that, like you said, you're just smaller and lighter, therefore you, you're moving around less weight, so it takes less effort and less calories to move your weight around. Um, that, that does happen. So there are there is some reductions, and it might be a case of actually, we need to drive calories back up again a bit. So it might mean taking a diet break, going back into a maintenance phase, or even a, a slight surplus, and just reducing that fatigue, which might then kind of reset a lot of things. So you might then start burning a few more calories in the knee and all this type of stuff, and then allows you to then go out like diet again for longer. So taking a break, it's a bit like you know in the analogy of filling up petrol. I suppose you know you're driving a car can't drive forever obviously just burning petrol because eventually you're just going to break down conk out something you have to stop at a petrol station every now and then and just fill up and just then so you can then go again and obviously that's what diet breaks do they allow you to kind of recover from fatigue fill up again and just then drive again for longer and eventually you then get to your your destination you're never going to go there in one trip are you no so with diet breaks yeah it helps not totally reverse but sort of help reverse the like hormonal adaptions of diet and leptin, ghrelin, <clears throat> like all that sort of stuff, for, which obviously affects hunger. And then hormones are extremely powerful, and this probably only so far you can go fighting them, mm-hmm. usually. Um, 
So yeah, the diabregs are extremely useful. Yes. I think. I, no, go on, mate. Sorry. There you go. I was listening to a Mike Isra. I can't say his name. Mike is Israel. Israel. Yeah. He was talking about flexible dieting, mm-hmm. and I sort of, in some situation, I I agreed with him this one. He said sometimes it's better to when you're on the diet be on a diet sort of don't be flexible i don't mean flexible as in use more calories for a saturday or something for like a not a cheat meal but um what do i call it you mean food choices so just be less flexible on food choices yeah be a much less flexible to you so variety yeah so less variety and we know that helps with a D-run. So you're more D-run, and then you go and go and go, and then you have a diet break mm-hmm. for a week or whatever. You have that diet break a week, then you go again. Then you go again, because he was talking about, which is right, if you if you share with someone's calories, so right, they have a bigger calories on a Saturday. Cancer, you're almost saying, right, stop Monday or Friday, no, no variety, hardly anything. Then on Saturday, higher calories, you eat, say, cake or whatever, pizza. Then it's difficult for them to go back onto a di- onto the diet. Yeah, or it's better to go maybe have a few weeks of dieting properly. Yeah. Do you mean like it's hard to switch like mindsets? Is that what you mean? So it's yeah. hard to go like Monday to Friday dieting mindset, Saturday Sunday yeah. non dieting mindset, which kind of ties in the bits we said about having increased flexibility in calories. You know, some people struggle with the whole. You know, I can dig Monday to Friday, but it comes to the weekend, I just lose my shit and just eat everything because I can't. I could. I'd have been better off sticking to you know, the same dieting calories Saturday and Sunday because I'm in that mindset. And it's, you can't switch that easy. Some people like that. Yeah, I think, I think maybe that could be a reason why someone's plateaued. Are they so flexible that the food choices are too poor? Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not, there's not enough protein, there's not enough veg, not enough volume. Mm-hmm. So they inevitably end up snacking because they're hungry. Yeah. So that, there that's... is something to be said for bro dieting. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that, that's um, that's that's obviously plateauing because they're non-adherent, because yeah. the food choices they're doing are just causing them to be non-adherent. So they're effectively overeating, because like you say, they're yeah. not they're not picking picking foods that are satiating. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because obviously on on that whole variety thing, like I absolutely agree. There are times in a diet where having variety can be actually detrimental. But obviously, we do also know the evidence suggests that having a flexible approach is far more. Uh, positive in terms of the amount of weight people lose in long term, but also the amount of people that, that are adherent to it. So yeah. you, you lose more weight and more people lose weight because more people stick to it, like having a flexible or variety in a diet. But we're now saying actually there are occasions where having that variety can be detrimental. And I do think that's true. I think that probably just comes down to a point. So I think where you've got a lot of leeway, i.e. you've got a lot of weight to lose and you don't have to push too hard to lose weight, Having variety is brilliant because it will allow you to just enjoy life, have fun, you know, stick within some general rules. Obviously, still have obviously you have to create that calorie deficit, but because the calorie deficit isn't too drastic, because you you know if you're bigger, you've got a high calorie calorie expenditure, um, you can afford to have that variety and it not affect you. Whereas when you get down to those digging stages, I think that's where um, the things you've just said in terms of foods that don't keep you satiated. Um, you have to have to be a bit more specific and just basically probably put off a lot of that variety. Plus having the same consistent foods, I also think helps with um, decision fatigue. Actually, I did a post, didn't I, recently? I can't remember if it was on mine or the, I think it was mine. 
not the the, the no nonsense nutrition one. But I did a post on Instagram even this week, actually. Actually, it was yesterday. Might have been yesterday. God, I lost my mind. <laughs> um, but again, I, I quoted a bit around. Um, this was more around delayed gratification, but it's the same thing in that um, when people have to make choices, you kind of just you you lose the will. Like you only have a certain amount or finite amount of like decision making, and obviously you get to the end of the day after you've had a long, busy, hard day, and you lose that will, and you, that's when your decision management goes out the window, and you just you know you, you pick the wrong choices. Whereas if you then pick something where actually, you know what, I've got a strategy and something that's similar and a routine and habits and something that just happens automatically, I never have to think about it, you're not taxing your decision fatigue. Yeah, sorry, your decision making process. So you don't get this decision fatigue. Um, so I think that's quite powerful. And that's what that also comes down to, I think, having that lack of variety and having a structure where you probably you know, that's why bodybuilders are so fucking good at adhering to diets, because tuna, broccoli and rice every meal for every day. There's no thought goes into that. It's just yeah, got it, eat it, bang it away, move on to the next one. That's basically how it works. That just does that keep people consistent. Yeah. So I th- you see it a lot with the old school methods when people, they don't understand what they are doing. You know, the, the sort of, mm. the PTs who've gone, all you're going to do is eat chicken, rice and broccoli, that's all you're going to do. And you see this with a lot with a lot of people, If where I'm, where I'm from anyway, it's like, I'm eating chicken, rice, broccoli, tuna, that's it. All the time, seven days a week. I don't understand why I'm losing weight, mm-hmm. but I am. And you always see them. They will always make big transformations in six, eight, 12, 16 weeks. Then you will always see them six months later, always back at the same place. Mm-hmm. So like, you can see there that strict dieting works to the point that someone can stick to it for a a set period of time but in the long term it doesn't work mm. because you can't do that long term you have no flexibility to go out for a drink for a pizza you can't have chocolate you can't have cake you can't do anything so eventually it goes wrong mm-hmm. as it shows flexible dieting is better for adherence and then but however like we just said strict dieting has its place yeah i think that's a good way of putting it so like strict diet in the short term probably works really really well um, longer term, more flexible approach is going to have a better effect. I guess that comes down to the education. So you can give someone a strict meal plan, get to their point. It's really important then that they have that education to kind of transition into something else, i.e. a different phase, a maintenance phase, or a different way of eating, which isn't going to then cause them to go back to that place we were. You know, and we like we don't like to slag off some of the other um, franchises and stuff around, but like the Slim World and Weight Watchers, but that is the problem with those in that, you know, we've said it before, you, you kind of don't get any education from them. So when people are off Slimming World, they're off it and they're properly off it. You know, they don't know how to manage it. So that's why you see so many people and the way Slimming World and Weight Watchers, et cetera, have built their business is on this return business of people going back and back and back year after year or month after month or whatever, constantly on it for the rest of their life, paying their five pounds away in. Um, because they just don't have this education. That's why, like, you know, you don't you don't want that. You want someone to be able to <clears throat> get educated throughout the process, so that they then know how to maintain their weight afterwards once they reach their goal. Exactly. Mm. Get to where they want to be as fast as possible, where they can stick to, and then educate them. Say, right, you lost all the weight because of this. Maintaining it needs to do this because mm. of that. Like education, anyone, any, everyone knows how to lose weight, but keeping it off, the, the, the percentages is 
horrific. I mean, yeah. was it a ninety odd percent regain it or yeah. more than yeah. five years? I think or something, which is like an insane yeah. statistic. Yeah, like I said, we uh, obviously we don't have a problem losing weight, do we? We have a problem keeping it off. Right, that's that's the issue here. Because obviously people lose weight all the time. It's just you know, and that's that's why I've had arguments before with people on the on the internet around like successful dieting, um, and you know, like a couple of well, well, one very, well, two very well known coaches in the industry, who um, you know, kind of used to look up to a lot, to be honest. But I had an argument on on one of my statuses once around like, oh, well, actually, you know, every diet works if they're in a calorie deficit. I'm like, well. Do you judge a successful diet based on someone losing weight? And my my kind of approach or view on it was actually not really. Because, all right, yes, you could argue it works because they've lost weight because they're in a calorie deficit. But if that person is back to their, uh, obviously, like starting weight again at any, you know, put whatever time scale you like on it, but say in a, in a year's time, was that diet successful? Can you really honestly say that diet's successful? Depends on your approach, isn't it? But it's not. In the long term, is it? Certainly no. not. I, I, I don't wrong. I know context is you know a big mm. thing and required. And you could say, well, if that person's goal was to make weight for a fight, for a fight sport, you could say, yeah, okay, cool. But you know, we're talking gen- general population that wants to get into shape, you know, losing weight. I, I I wouldn't say a diet that someone has to constantly keep doing year after year after year, but and they never really feel happy with the you know getting themselves into a condition and, and keeping there. I don't I don't judge that as being successful. That's just my opinion because I think well that hasn't taught you anything. You know, I've lost weight, but you're then completely unhappy because you've just as soon as you stopped, you've put that weight back on again. Yeah. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Exactly. And that's kind of that's kind of the problem with a lot of these things and you know, kind of the things we're now talking about. So there's too many people who there's too many loud mugs, as in TV, magazines, celebrities who shout the loudest, who have who have the least clue of what they're talking about and how they're impacting mil- potentially millions of people. Mm-hmm. And these people, I have no respect for mm-hmm. at all because they can't take to be told either. And it's just it's just so frustrating because they got such a huge following. They come on, just use your head. You can still make loads of money because that's all they're doing. Mm-hmm. Just by saying, look, my diet works because of a calorie deficit or whatever. And yeah. then empower somebody go, right, actually, it was just calories that matter, then you can do other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can actually find something that's suitable to me and not something that I don't, I, you know, I don't I'm just stick into rather than actually enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. The, thing, the thing with that is, like, if you, I know we've gone off on a bit of tangent, but if you had a celeb, if you've got these celebrities that built up a following, Based on you know, like take Joe Wicks example, build up a following on his Lean and Fifteen plan, and you know all the all the reasons why people like him. If he now turned around and said, you know what, actually, maybe this all this stuff I was saying isn't the best thing, and there's there's ways I could have been better at it, you know. So I've changed my mind, and this is why you know I'm now saying this is why he lost weight, i.e., calorie deficit. So actually, I'm going to take all my plans and change them to this now, so that you you know you know know the exact reason why. Therefore, it's kind of more tailored to you. Um, would you lose respect for them, or would you think actually, do you know what? All right, yes, you built your following on a on a bit of a pretense or a lie, um, whether you feel that's fair or not, I don't know, but I, th- I kind of feel it is fair. And then if they, you know, I've, I've changed my mind now, though, so I'm going to use my almost now my reach for for the greater good. Winner, right? Yeah, well, it shows me is he's at least got some integrity. Go right, actually, I was wrong. Mm. Sorry, here it is. 
one, the follower wouldn't wouldn't care anyway. Mm. They would still buy his stuff. They'd probably ignore it anyway mm. and just carry on as normal. But he's like, right, I'm evidence based. It's all about calories. Buy my new book. Yeah, I, and to be honest, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like focus on Joe Wicks there as, as like the main issue. But I just use it as an example. But anyone like you know, we've yeah. talked about Davina obviously in the sugar thing. Obviously, she's got her no, no zero sugar brand, which is obviously ridiculous in 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 context. Because um, obviously, you try a zero sugar diet, in fucking possible. You just can't do it. It's impossible. Um, but not only that. Um, you know, if if any of those types of people just just turn around and, and change their views on stuff to something a bit more evidence based, I just think like you've got such a strong reach that you could do so much good now and empower people, but people just don't. Anyway, we're just we're just moaning, aren't we, mate? We're just moaning. Yeah. While we're moaning, like you can't say sugar free fucking brownies when you've just taken out granulated white <laughs> sugar and replaced it with molasses and fucking honey. It's still sugar, you dickhead. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it's unnatural. It's all, oh, it's unnatural. It's fine. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe we should point to a fucking uh, infographic about why clean eating is making you fat. Yeah. While we're on a rant, go on. Did see that cancer research live stream? I, oh my god! I only it saw was, your comments, so I basically avoided it. Humanity was going backwards. I thought, oh, I couldn't believe what I was what I was seeing. This, I was thinking, this is unreal. You got someone actually said. These were the words, I've cured cancer. Are you mental? So I had to tell him he was a scumbag, pretty much. Fuck you know. It's like, come, I, I, my point is, like Sherry says to me, oh, why bother? You know, they might find a, a cure, you know, what, what is it? Cannabis oil might be the cure in, yeah. If they find out that in 10 years' time, happy days. At the minute, it doesn't. So for me, Someone could be looking at looking into that and thinking, "Oh, I'll give that a go," and not bother doing chemo and then die. Yeah. That's what it means to me. It's like, come on, people. That is that is total scumbag, isn't it? It's like that's like that American doctor guy, or I don't know if he was even a real doctor. I don't think he was, was he? But he's obviously convincing people that um, alkaline diets and like um, was it sodium bicarb transfusions were obviously like saving people from cancer. And obviously, the oh. uh, was it when a, a UK. Um, military lady, didn't she go over there for treatment after after she was desperate because chemotherapy wasn't working, and she ended up dying. Thank God that tosser went to prison because yeah. that's the thing. That people get desperate and they will try anything, which is yeah. it's fairly under, it's understandable. Oh, totally you know, understandable. Yeah, reasoning goes out the window when you're gonna die. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But it's like, oh, c- come on, like, come on, and they should these people should be banned from all social media. Yeah. Well, yeah. I say, fortunately, he's gone to prison. So good. Yeah, because you should do like I don't. It's like twenty grand or something to stay in a ranch in America, to, and then obviously have these like bicarbonate soda, soda um, transfusions, and just ah, oh, mental. It's, it's like cancer has a hugely complicated disease. Do people really think it's going to take like I, I see no clean eating and being alkaline is going to is going to cure it? That's again, oh yeah, great. Is it only that easy? Ah, yeah. oh, just I get annoyed. Yeah. Like, like you say, you, when you're desperate, they like anything seems rational because you, you're prepared to try anything. Yeah, and it's not their fault. It's not their fault for looking at other alternative treatments. People who sell in snake oil. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. So, from from a plateau perspective, we, I did mention at the start about sort of kind of like training plateau. But we've talked so long now about nutrition and other stuff. I don't think we really got time. So never mind. <laughs>
Um, actually, I've got one solution. Hire a trainer. Hire a coach. Good one, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Don't, don't Not someone just smashes you into the ground. Yeah, don't pick a shit one. No, don't do crap ones. <sighs> no, yeah, just hire a coach because... Um, John Shaw, there's the, I mean, obviously, just on the training thing, obviously, it could be overtraining, it could be undertraining, um, it just could be that the program's set up particularly poorly. Um, might even be a nutrition, nutrition stopping you. So, um, yeah. there's tons of reasons why you, you might. And it, it, I guess it's one of those things where if you're an intermediate, um, you shouldn't really be plateauing. So, if it is that, it's, there's definitely something wrong. But when you get to obviously like more advanced stages of where you've been training for like five, ten years, then, you know, that plateauing is almost inevitable and these gains are so small that um, you really do need quite quite a complex um, mm. workout plan to kind of get through it. So get basically get an experienced trainer is the answer. 100%. Cool. Right. I don't think many people have set up training plans that well, do they? No, but then on the flip side, is there also like for, for, for most people, training plans, like like I say, beginners, if you're, if you're new to the gym, say like less than a year's training and even then like you could say like a lot of people if they're new to a gym it takes you five years to learn what to bloody do so your first five years are wasted to a certain extent um all right sweeping same but still you know what i mean like i was the same like, i've gone to gym five years and i've been going to the gym probably 16 years right and i probably reckon about the last three i've actually trained properly genuinely yeah. all right the first 10 years i did nothing but cardio but like even the last say six years of weight training, like I'd probably say at least half or more of that, I had fucking no clue how to contract the muscle properly, how to you know like set up a training plan, um, anything. So like it's, it takes you so long to experiment, does it, to actually get an idea? Um, if you get in there early, credit to you. Like if you if you if you know if you kind of listen to the right people and kind of get the right right thing from the off, then you're onto a winner but most people it just takes ages to really kind of get to know what to do properly um yeah yeah 100 if you can find out what to do if you found out everything you need to know within the first six months then you're golden for a good long career of making gains mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. game dream right anyway let's uh let's call it there then shall we my man yeah all right it's been emotional yeah so we've hit the hour mark so uh yeah, I didn't think it lasts this long, if I'm honest. But obviously, we like to ramble, don't we? Yeah, I think we ramble. All right. So, um, right, we'll have to come up with an application process for to get someone on for our 50th episode then. That should be fun. That'd be quite cool. We'll get something out. So if anyone wants to, then obviously get in touch. Um, we'll create some sort of application process. But also, can we just do a shout-out for anyone that's not in our group? Search No Nonsense Nutrition uh, on Facebook. You'll find our group. It's free. Please join. Um Cool community, loads of stuff going on, like support, uh, recipes, food ideas, which is obviously quite a lot of people uh, struggle with. Um, we've got obviously the Instagram page. We're putting out tons of uh, infographics of late, so loads of quite cool stuff just to quick learns. So um, no nonsense nutrition on Instagram, so at no nonsense nutrition. Um, anything else we want to plug, mate? I would say the emails, but you'd have to actually go to a link, which I can't tell you over there. No, but if you go into Facebook, so if you go to the Facebook group, you'll get, you'll, you'll get plugged basically with the links there. So um, if you want to get on the de- Johnny's, and it's Johnny writing them, we'll give him the credit, and they are great emails, but value every day. Johnny's daily emails, they're fantastic. So um, I even read them. 
I I even read them, mate, every day. I, like yeah. you know, I do because I tell you, you, you spell the mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this <laughs> <laughs> is every day. Johnny, install Grammarly. Come on. I've got Grammarly, but it's not the premium. Yeah. It's expensive mistakes. Yeah, it is a bit annoying, isn't it? That's expensive anyway. But um, yeah, no. So you've got the emails. And then obviously, I suppose like we will have a new intake of our semi-private coaching coming up soon. So if anyone's interested in low cost, um, but still, uh, it's semi-private, but still reasonably, well, still very personalized, really. Um, still more, way more personalized than most group coaching that we've seen out there. So um, get involved. I say very very cheap, twenty quid a month. Um, yeah. You'll get if Come you on. want if you want to find out more info, get in touch or join the group. And um, we don't you know, don't push too many products to be in there, but every now and then we do kind of shout out. So if you want more info, go check it out. We get fifty people in this, and they go sing a song. Any specific song? Or? Anyone, anybody wants, whatever. Uh-huh. On a live stream, even. <laughs> what, naked? <laughs> do it naked on YouTube. Oh, if you get get hundred people, you do it. Yeah, hundred people there. Yeah. All right, done. No it's on record, mate. It's, uh, this is now um, recorded. Fine. So. Fine. Right. Maybe, whoever downloads it, there it is. Twenty quid. Sign up. Naked, naked dancing, singing. Naked, naked Johnny singing. Right, right. On that note, push that button. Bonjour. Toodle. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.